0: book 4 chapter 13 of henrietta temple this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org henrietta temple by benjamin disraeli book 4 chapter 13 in which the family perplexities rather increase than diminish if ever there were a man who deserved a serene and happy life, it was Adrian Glastonbury. He had pursued a long career without injuring or offending a human being. His character and conduct were alike spotless. He was void of guile. He had never told a falsehood, never been entangled in the slightest deceit. He was easy in his circumstances. He had no relations to prey upon his purse or his feelings, and— though alone in the world was blessed with such a sweet and benignant temper gifted with so many resources and adorned with so many accomplishments that he appeared to be always employed amused and contented and yet by a strange contrariety of events it appeared that this excellent person was now placed in a situation which is generally the consequence of impetuous passions not very scrupulous in obtaining their ends that breast which heretofore would have shrunk from being analyzed only from the refined modesty of its nature had now become the depository of terrible secrets the day could scarcely pass over without finding him in a position which rendered equivocation on his part almost a necessity while all the anxieties inseparable from pecuniary embarrassments were forced upon his attention and his feelings were racked from sympathy with individuals who were bound to him by no other tie but to whose welfare he felt himself engaged to sacrifice all his pursuits, and devote all his time and labor. And yet he did not murmur, although he had scarcely hoped to animate him. In whatever light he viewed coming events, they appeared ominous only of evil. All that he aimed at now was to soothe and support— and it was his unshaken confidence in providence that alone forbade him to despair when he repaired to the place in the morning he found everything in confusion miss grandison was very unwell and lady armine frightened by the recent danger from which they had escaped very alarmed she could no longer conceal from ferdinand that his catherine was here and perhaps lady armine was somewhat surprised at the calmness with which her son received the intelligence but miss grandison was not only very unwell but very obstinate she would not leave her room but insisted that no medical advice should be called in lady armine protested supplicated adjured miss grandison appealed to mr glastonbury and glastonbury who was somewhat of a physician was called in and was obliged to assure lady armine that Miss Grandison was only suffering from a cold, and only required repose. A warm friendship subsisted between Lady Armine and her niece. She had always been Catherine's favorite aunt, and during the past year there had been urgent reasons why Lady Armine should have cherished this predisposition in her favor. Lady Armine was a fascinating person, and all her powers had been employed to obtain an influence over the heiress. They had been quite successful. Miss Grandison looked forward almost with as much pleasure to being Lady Armine's daughter as her son's bride. The intended mother-in-law was in turn as warm-hearted as her niece was engaging, and eventually Lady Armine loved Catherine for herself alone. In a few days, however, Miss Grandison announced that she was quite recovered, and Lady Armine again devoted her unbroken attention to her son who was now about to rise for the first time from his bed. But although Miss Grandison was no longer an invalid, it is quite certain that, if the attention of the other members of the family had not been so entirely engrossed, a very great change in her behaviour could not have escaped their notice. Her flowers and drawings seemed to have lost their relish, her gaiety to have deserted her. She passed a great portion of the morning in her room, and although it was announced to her that ferdinand was aware of her being an inmate of the place and that in a day or two they might meet she scarcely evinced at this prospect of resuming his society so much gratification as might have been expected and though she daily took care that his chamber should still be provided with flowers it might have been remarked that the note she had been so anxious to send him was never written but how much, under the commonest course of circumstances, happens in all domestic circles that is never observed or never remarked till the observation is too late. At length the day arrived when Lady Armine invited her niece to visit her son. Miss Grandison expressed her readiness to accompany her aunt, but took an opportunity of requesting Glastonbury to join them, and all three proceeded to the chamber of the invalid the white curtain of the room was drawn but though the light was softened the apartment was by no means obscure ferdinand was sitting in an easy-chair supported by pillows a black handkerchief was just twined round his forehead for his head had been shaved except a few curls on the side and front which looked stark and lustreless he was so thin and pale and his eyes and cheeks were so wan and hollow that it was scarcely credible that in so short a space of time a man could have become such a wreck when he saw catherine he involuntarily dropped his eyes but extended his hand to her with some effort of earnestness she was almost as pale as he but she took his hand it was so light and cold it felt so much like death that the tears stole down her cheek "'You hardly know me, Catherine,' said Ferdinand feebly. "'This is good of you to visit a sick man.' Miss Grandison could not reply, and Lady Armine made an observation to break the awkward pause. "'And how do you like Armine?' said Ferdinand. "'I wish I could be your guide, but Glastonbury is so kind.' A hundred times Miss Grandison tried to reply, to speak, to make the commonest observation, but it was in vain.' She grew paler every moment. Her lips moved, but they sent forth no sound. "'Kate is not well,' said Lady Armine. "'She has been very unwell. This visit,' she added in a whisper to Ferdinand, "'is a little too much for her.' Ferdinand sighed. "'Mother,' he at length said, "'you must ask Catherine to come and sit here with you, "'if indeed she will not feel the imprisonment.' Miss Grandison turned in her chair, and hid her face with her handkerchief my sweet child said lady armine rising and kissing her this is too much for you you really must restrain yourself ferdinand will soon be himself again he will indeed miss grandison sobbed aloud glastonbury was much distressed but ferdinand avoided catching his eye and yet at last ferdinand said with an effort and in a very kind voice dear kate Come and sit by me. Miss Grandison went into hysterics. Ferdinand sprang from his chair and seized her hand. Lady Armine tried to restrain her son. Glastonbury held the agitated Catherine. For God's sake, Ferdinand, be calm! exclaimed Lady Armine. This is most unfortunate. Dear, dear Catherine! But she has such a heart. All the women have in our family, and none of the men. 'tis so odd mr Glastonbury, water, if you please, that glass of water, Sale volatile. Where is the sale volatile? My own, own Catherine, pray, pray restrain yourself. Ferdinand is here, remember, Ferdinand is here, and he will soon be well, soon quite well, believe me, he is already quite another thing. There, drink that, darling, drink that. You are better now? I am so foolish. "'said Miss Grandison in a mournful voice. "'I never can pardon myself for this. "'Let me go.' "'Glastonbury bore her out of the room. "'Lady Armine turned to her son. "'He was lying back in his chair, "'his hands covering his eyes. "'The mother stole gently to him "'and wiped tenderly his brow, "'on which hung the light drops of perspiration, "'occasioned by his recent exertion. "'We have done too much, my own dear Ferdinand.' yet who could have expected that dear girl would have been so affected glastonbury was indeed right in preventing you so long from meeting and yet it is a blessing to see that she has found a heart you are fortunate my ferdinand you will indeed be happy with her ferdinand groaned i shall never be happy he murmured never happy my ferdinand oh you must not be so low-spirited think how much better you are Think. My Ferdinand, what a change there is for the better! You will soon be well, dearest, and then, my love, you know you cannot help being happy. Mother, said Ferdinand, you are deceived. You are all deceived. I, I... No, Ferdinand, indeed we are not. I am confident, and I praise God for it, that you are getting better every day. But you have done too much. That is the truth. I will leave you now, love, and send the nurse for my presence excites you, try to sleep, love, and Lady Armine rang the bell and quitted the room End of Book Four, Chapter thirteen.